I think we need to actually like rethink how we do accounting from the ground up. I think now that we have this like third ledger, this like double entry bookkeeping plus this third open ledger, we have to now start thinking about how we can build accounting from scratch that like just like literally connects to the time chain or connects to your node and is able to pull the information and do its accounting right there and then. From that whole suite of merchant tools, the natural kind of flow then is to start offering things like POS, um, you know, event tickets, uh, subscription models, um, you know, donation pages, like e-commerce stores. But I think the accounting side of it, the tax side of it, the capital gains tax, all of these different things that people automatically just think like, oh wow, that's going to be a nightmare to deal with all that stuff. I don't want to have to deal with that. Every little sat that comes in, everything that comes in has to be like accounted for and capital gains tax, all this kind of stuff. Um, I think that scares a lot of people off as well. With Bitcoin, it, it is a race to the bottom, it's to zero. And so what you're incentivized to do is instead of becoming a rent seeker, you actually have to provide some real value and real service to users. John is the CEO and founder of Zaprite, an invoicing platform that makes it easy for anyone to get paid in Bitcoin. In our conversation, we discussed exactly how Zaprite's product works today. We discussed the challenges limiting Bitcoin adoption and limiting people getting paid in Bitcoin today. And we also discussed what people really care about between fees and speed and stability when it comes to payments. I've also added John to today's show splits. So if you enjoy this episode and if you learn something new, the best way you can support this show is by sending in sats over the Lightning Network you can use any podcasting 2.0 app, but Fountain is my favorite one to use if you are new to podcasting 2.0. Quick shout out, today's show is sponsored by Voltage. Voltage is the industry standard and next generation provider of Lightning Network infrastructure. Today's show is also sponsored by Zebedee, and Zebedee is your portal into the world of Bitcoin gaming. We'll have more from Voltage and Zebedee later in the show. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today, and I'm excited to chat all about ZapRite and what you're building. Uh, before we get into it though, let's start with your background, history in Bitcoin, and why you decided to build ZapRite. Yeah, sure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on, Kevin. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, so my story starting Bitcoin started in 2013, actually. Uh, I, I really wish I could remember what article I, I read that got me interested in, in Bitcoin. Um, but it was right before the, the kind of Mt. Gox uh, run up. I think it was like the middle of 2013, something like that. Um, that's when I first got interested in it, you know, downloaded a node, ran a node, started buying a little bit of Bitcoin, self-custody, all that kind of stuff. Um, then kind of forgot about it after a while. And then it wasn't until 2016 I started to, to get back into it. Um, got sucked into the whole 2017 uh, ICO craziness. Um, and then came out uh, the other side of that in 2018 as a, a hardened Bitcoin maxi. Um, and that's when I really started to, to look into Bitcoin for what it was, like the, the money aspect of it. Um, and I tried to figure out what exactly I could do to get involved in Bitcoin. Like I wasn't, you know, a, a developer, like a full stack developer or anything. Like I couldn't, uh, or a backend engineer, so I couldn't, you know, review code or any of that kind of stuff. But I was really interested in getting involved in some way. Um, and eventually, uh, I basically, I was a customer of Bull Bitcoins in Canada, uh, where I was living at the time. And I, you know, I'd been using their platform and as a, as a designer, graphic designer, like web designer, um, I just thought like their front end could be a lot better. 
And so I spent a weekend doing up a mock-up for UI UX to improve their, their Bitcoin outlet store as it was at the time. Um, and sent it to Francis and said like, hey, like, you know, love your love your product, but here's like how you can make it look way better. And he loved that and he hired me to do work for Bull, for Bull Bitcoin. Um, and so that's how I actually got my break into Bitcoin. And that's really then what prompted me to start thinking about ZapRite was because I needed a tool then to actually invoice properly for Bitcoin. Because um, I was actually billing in Bitcoin for, for my time to Bull Bitcoin. Uh, at least they were paying me in Bitcoin. Um, and I was trying to run a CASA node. I was trying to run BTC Pay server from that at home in my living room, trying to expose those URLs to, to make the invoices public and things like that. And it was just kind of a mess, even for somebody like, you know, tech literate like myself. Um, and so always in the back of my mind, there was this idea that I, I should build, you know, an invoicing platform. And so, you know, when all the kind of COVID madness hit in, uh, in 2020, I thought, all right, now this is my time. I should roll out this idea I've been thinking of. And so I started kind of just playing around with this like side hobby project like called ZapRite. Um, and that was kind of the intro to, to, you know, how I went from getting into Bitcoin to eventually like building a Bitcoin product. Very cool. So this was your own, you're, you're scratching your own itch here. This is you, you had a problem as a contractor and this is the solution to that problem. Um, I want to understand now, like, how far does the scope of ZapRite extend? beyond like invoicing for for contractors right because that was that was like a foot in the door where, where do you go from here what's the what's the vision for the company yeah exactly so it was scratching scratching niche very much at the start for myself and it was a very niche product for a niche market which is still kind of a niche market i guess but it, it was just the invoicing aspect of it very simple generate an invoice just like any other invoicing tool that was available but we would then go and get the live bitcoin price and you know your Bitcoin address and generate the QR code and give you the hosted payment page um, that was needed. So very simple, but like, you know, served, served a very basic need. Um, and now I think there's there's a great opportunity to expand that out. So there's a couple of different like things that, that ZapRite's going to do. Um, first and foremost, it's going to concentrate on just building the tools that allow like individuals, whether you're like a freelancer, a contractor or a small business to actually start accepting Bitcoin. And that's really the core aspect is just trying to make it easier for people to migrate over to a Bitcoin standard, either completely or like slowly at the start, right? Maybe you only one in 10 invoices, maybe go out to, to Bitcoin payment to Bitcoin payers or things like that. So you can start slow and then eventually like build up and be fully on a Bitcoin standard. Um, and so the way we facilitate that at the moment is we obviously offer the, the still the Bitcoin um, invoicing aspect that's been there since the MVP. But now I've added in, for example, Stripe credit card payments. So now you can actually connect your own Stripe account. And so you can offer that dual option to, to payers. They'll, they'll, when they see your hosted invoice on ZapRite, it'll show them the option of credit card or Bitcoin. And the next logical step on that then is, okay, well, now we can actually offer them a discount. So we can try and incentivize them to pay in Bitcoin. So we can have a little sticker or a badge that says like, you know, 5% off or 10% off if you pay in Bitcoin. And that might get people curious, be like, oh, well, like, where can I get some Bitcoin? I want 10% off this invoice. And then maybe you can have like, you know, revenue share models or lead generation or signups to, to other exchanges where people can go and buy the Bitcoin. And then through APIs, we can get our invoice paid automatically through the signup process. So there's all things like that where, um, you know, we can incentivize not just the merchants to onboard to ZapRite to start earning Bitcoin, but we can actually incentivize the payers on the other side to start paying as well. Um, so 
from that whole suite of merchant tools, the natural kind of flow then is to start offering things like POS, um, you know, event tickets, uh, subscription models, um, you know, donation pages, like e-commerce stores, things like that, widgets that you can just add to like, you know, a blog. If you want to take a donation, we'll just give you a little JavaScript snippet or button you can drop on your site. And then all of that just connects back over to a custom checkout page that you can build on Zapri. So essentially what we're going to do is we're just going to offer a hosted branded checkout page, which connects to any wallet that you want to connect it to, right? Whether it's fully self-custodial, whether it's your node running at home, like an Umbral or Start9 or something, you can do the fully self-custodial route, or you can connect your Strike account. If you want to connect the Strike account, and we'll just generate through the Strike API a QR code, so now all your payments go directly into your Strike account. So whatever it is you're comfortable with doing, we'll just provide all these amazing fluid UI UX wrappers for the tools that allow you to earn and manage your Bitcoin as, as a small business or a contractor. Interesting. So is it right then to think like, the, the constraint here for ZapRite's business is going to be on, on finding new people that want to earn Bitcoin rather than the people wanting to pay, right? Like if you can get the earners then, and you can give the earners the tools to then accept payments in, you know, through a credit card or through Bitcoin or whatever, like all the different methods you mentioned, then anyone should be able to pay, right? And they'd have no problem making that payment. Is that, is that the idea that like first you have to get the earners on board? Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely focused first and foremost on the earners. Um, you know, like I mentioned, that's where the kind of the product came from, scratching my own itch as an earner. Uh, I needed that tool. Um, and I think it, it, I think it's a powerful market to try and tap into because, you know, one of the things if you kind of, you know, abstract the money aspect out of Bitcoin for the moment and just concentrate on what Bitcoin is fundamentally, what it does to, to people when they get interested in it and you understand it is it gives them this kind of idea of high and low time preference. And, you know, as, as you well know, like as Bitcoiners, we all start to think differently and we start to have this brighter hope for the future and we want to become better people and we want to have like a much lower time preference. So we start to look after our finances, our savings, our health, our education, all of these things. And I think, you know, that's something that I wish that, you know, was more focused on our people knew first and foremost before the kind of like number go up stuff. That's all great. And it sucks the people in. But I think if a lot of people knew like how it fundamentally changes you for the better as a person, it would be, you know, a really good selling point as well. And I think earning like accelerates that. I think if you can get somebody to concentrate on the earning side of it first, it really kind of focuses them in on, on that side of, of Bitcoin. Because what happens is if you're earning, particularly if you're earning 100% of your income on Bitcoin, you now have to think really hard about what you're spending those sats on, right? So you just become a better manager of your money, a better manager of your time. You start to think a lot more about, you know, the value of different things that you spend money on. Um, and so I think you know, there's a fundamental difference between people earning Bitcoin and people just buying it on an exchange with whatever leftover cash they have that month after paying their bills, right? That's kind of, you know, that's great. You should encourage people to do that for sure. But that's kind of thought of as like, that's the savings, right? It's like, I've paid all my bills. Now I'm like, whatever I have left over, I'm going to save it in Bitcoin instead of leaving it in the bank. Like, okay, great. But if you're actually earning it right from the start and all your bills have to be paid in Bitcoin as well, which is not easy right now, granted, 
but it definitely changes you um, to, to to think a little bit differently about like you know all you have all of those low time preference things start to kick in, and you just start thinking about your money and managing your money uh, a lot better, which brings you back to why Bitcoin is fundamentally like better money than anything else that exists. So I think the earning side of it, yeah, for sure, is, is like a really critical aspect of trying to get people onboarded. So, okay, that's interesting. If earning then is the catalyst that gets people to understand the low time preference ideas in Bitcoin, how do you get people to start earning? Like, how do you how do you kickstart the earning process so that they can then kickstart the low time preference? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, this is something that I guess all kind of Bitcoin companies struggle with is trying to onboard users, particularly like traditional users that are, you know, using tools in the fiat world, trying to convince them to move over to start using Bitcoin tools. That's def- definitely like one of the hardest aspects of it is trying to do that. And I think one of the biggest roadblocks, I think like the reason why it's one of the harder things is, I mean, there's a lot of people maybe don't understand Bitcoin first and foremost, and that kind of like scares them a little bit as well. But I think the accounting side of it, the tax side of it, the capital gains tax, all of these different things that people automatically just think like, oh, wow, that's going to be a nightmare to deal with all that stuff. I don't want to have to deal with that. Every little sat that comes in, everything that comes in has to be like accounted for and a capital gains tax, all this kind of stuff. Um, I think that scares a lot of people off as well. So, I mean, one of the aspects which we kind of touched on before from the, the ZapRite viewpoint is the larger kind of, you know, long-term play with ZapRite is once we have all these merchant tools in place where we're onboarding people in to be able to use their POS or the e-commerce or ticket sales, whatever it might be that they're doing or invoicing, we can then start to build an accounting layer on top of that. And we can actually build tools that allow people to very easily see, okay, this is how much money I took in this month. This was the USD or whatever the fiat currency is you're using. And this was the cost basis of it all. This is any like unrealized capital gains or losses that I have right now in my business within my ZapRite dashboard. I can see everything and it makes it like super easy to manage your your Bitcoin inflows and outflows as a business. So, you know, I think to answer that question about like how do you get people into that mindset of like earning is I think fundamentally we have to just build better tools that solve a lot of the problems that they have. Um, like I said, particularly around the accounting, tax reporting, all that kind of aspect. And that, that's, you know, that's going to be a big part of ZapRite's roadmap as well in the future um, is building this accounting system and this reporting system on top of the merchant tools so that you actually can feel comfortable onboarding yourself or your business, knowing that you'll have this information at your fingertips when you need it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's something that's going to get even more complicated and more necessary in the Lightning ecosystem. With mm-hmm. all the different ways you can earn on Lightning, all of a sudden, like, you know, in a lot of cases, these are very, very small transaction amounts, but you start adding them up and, and eventually things get to, you know, like right now, I think I'm on this through the show, through Stacker News, through things like that. Like I mm-hmm. am, I'm earning hundreds of thousands of sats a month. And, you know, that's that's enough of a uh, an amount that you got to you got to be able to account for this stuff. You got to be able to report it. Right. Like it might be different if yeah. you were earning 10 cents one time and you just kind of like, you know, write it off, whatever. Yeah. But if you're actually earning money, it's like you got to you got to be able to account for that. Um, and I think the proliferation of tools that we're seeing now uh, allowing people to earn is going to lead to this uh 
requirement for tools that help people understand how they're earning and help people report on their earnings. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about this. I think there's a massive opportunity there uh, because I just look at the number of transactions that, that I have on a daily basis and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be, I got to manually go through every app, luckily have like, you know, CSV exports and things like that. But uh, I got to manually go through each one and do that one by one to keep track of these yeah. things. And it seems like that's going to be a, a, a new use case that, you know, people are going to need, you know, accounting software for. Absolutely. Yeah. I think 100%. Um, you know, if we, if we keep heading in the direction we are and the direction we all think we're going, where we're all going to be on the Bitcoin standard at, at some point, inevitably in the future, and we're all starting to earn more either through tools like Saproid or even like Stacker News or like Fountain or wherever you're like getting stats streamed in, you've got to have, you know, better tools to be able to manage that just just at a very basic level to be able to like see this flow of sats coming in and being able to calculate, um, you know, right now, unfortunately, we need to be able to calculate the, the capital gain uh, on that when Bitcoin becomes like, you know, digital uh, or becomes like legal tender. Um, we, you know, we won't have to do that. But unfortunately, we're going to have this period of time in between. We don't know how long that's going to last. But certainly, if you're earning significant amounts of money, you have to account for it. Now, not just from the tax standpoint of it, like nobody likes paying taxes, but you know, you're not, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to get on the wrong side of uh, the tax collector. But even just from a fundamental um, business perspective, you just need to know how your business is operating. So even if we're operating on a, a fiat standard or a gold standard or a Bitcoin standard or whatever it might be, you still need basic accounting tools to figure out, um, you know, how your business is operating, whether you're running a healthy business or not. Um, and one of the things with Bitcoin, I think we have, and Darren Feinstein uh, talks about this quite a bit as well, and a few others, um, is, you know, we have this 700-year-old double-entry accounting system. And... You know, I don't think it's going to be enough where tools like, say, QuickBooks can just like bolt in, say, BTC as another ticker symbol into their, you know, list of currencies and like away they go. I think we need to actually like rethink how we do accounting from the ground up. I think now that we have this like third ledger, this like double entry bookkeeping plus this third open ledger, we have to now start thinking about how we can build accounting from scratch that like just like literally connects to the time chain or connects to your node and is able to pull the information and do its accounting right there and then. Um, you know, there's so much information on Lightning nodes and on chain that, you know, you, you need to approach it from a different angle. You need to be able to like look at inputs, look at outputs, look at like, you know, taproot, DLCs, multisig, all this kind of stuff. You need to be able to parse these transactions, split out fees, figure out where this money has gone into different accounts and have different accounts for each type. Um, and then of course you got stuff like what uh, Nifty Nye is doing with uh, you know the bookkeeper plugin on top of Core Lightning, which does like yeah, basic bookkeeping features by just running this plugin on top and it actually just talks to your node and extracts the information. So I think we need all these you know tools that are they're just thought of from a different viewpoint um, to to incorporate um you know a bitcoin bitcoin standard into um so what i'm really interested in doing because i think you're right i think this space over the next like certainly over the next like decade um and and longer it's going to be a huge space because 
I think we need to start building tools that think about it from like, like I said, right from scratch, like build it from scratch and think about these tools from a Bitcoin only perspective and temporarily like bolt in the fiat rails just for as much time as we need it and then yank them back out again when we don't need them. I don't think we should be doing this like, you know, like I said, plug BTC into QuickBooks and like that's okay for now and then we'll deal with it later. Um, so I think there's a huge opportunity to build systems that actually account for like SATS flow and things like that from things like Fountain and Stacker Muse and, you know, lightning nodes that are that are doing liquidity and things like that. Um, it's going to be a huge space, I think, over the next decade. Yeah, so this is very much a Bitcoin native approach to invoicing and accounting software. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you think about the trade-offs people care about when they're earning Bitcoin, or earning any money for that matter, um, you know I think of a few that come to mind: uh, speed being one of them, fees being one of them, uh, short-term price stability is another one. What what do you think people care most about? What are, what have you learned from from the users you have now? Where do you think that's headed? Do you think and I'm trying to get an idea for like where where these transactions are going to be taking place over time. Is this going to be happening on Bitcoin's main chain? Is this going to be happening on a side chain like Liquid? Is this going to be happening on Lightning? And I think those those different factors, uh, the answer depends on what people prefer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it's a very... It's a very tough question to, to answer because things are evolving so fast, right? Like, I mean, we look how fast the Lightning Network is developing now. We're like well over four thousand Bitcoin on the on the Lightning Network. Like, you're able to accept bigger and bigger payments, whereas before it was thought of as just like really small payments, right? Like, you know, I went out to to dinner last night here in Austin with a, a whole bunch of Bitcoiners, and I, I paid a bill that was like one hundred and fifty dollars over Lightning. Um, so you know that was no problem. Just went through straight away. Um, so we got to start thinking about this. Um, so there's a couple of different answers to that question. So I guess I'll kind of back up and talk about the, um, you know, the, the things that customers are, are concerned about. Um, so you've got a couple of different types of customers. I mean, you've got people that are based in, you know, the Western world, a lot of like North American users that are using ZapRite. Um, and they're kind of, they're Bitcoiners, so they're familiar with both on-chain and Lightning. So their main concerns are just having a product that works. So like all these different features. So like a lot of the feedback I'm getting right now is about like feature sets and tweaks and different UI updates. And oh, hey, I noticed when I'm adding a task to the project management, like can, I, can you have this extra field where I add it in? Or when I import my contacts, I'd like to be able to give them a company name, not just a person name. And I'd like to be able to put a reference field in there as well. So all these little different things that they just want to be able to use the product in like a much smoother way. Um, and, and I guess that ties into then like, you know, a lot of, certainly if you're earning, you know, sending out invoices for ten, twenty thousand $20,000 and we've, we've seen invoices in ZapRite that are going out for like $30,000 plus. So, you know, if you're invoicing that type of money, you're, you're going to do that on chain right now, right? Now there may become a time in the future where you can do that on Lightning. Then we've also got the, you know, Fediment thing. If this takes off and people start using like, you know, Fediment tokens, we're going to have to like think about that aspect of it as well. Um, you know, I've got Liquid uh, in there as well, um, where people can uh, take in LBTC, um, you know, and they can maybe do Tether on that as well. If I start thinking about how stable coins might be integrated. 
Um, and this is this is something that I am thinking about because I've been talking to a few people over the last you know couple of months who have given me like these very different use cases for how stable coins would fit into the mix. Some people are well, you know, we we want to use Zapright. We're based in Africa or Central South America, and we don't want like the volatility of Bitcoin right now. But we want to like you know where we don't have access to the right banking tools, so we want a stable coin. Um, and then you've got that same kind of like use case, but from the other side where you have, you know, companies and um, individuals in, you know, North America who want to hire contractors who are based in these places and they want to be able to pay them in Bitcoin and have that converted to stablecoin on the other side, because that's what these people are wanting. So there is the kind of opposite use case of that as well, which is being discussed and people have like requested that. So it's, there's a lot of different moving parts and a lot of different aspects to it, which I think like could be solved. Um, obviously, like, you know, it, it, we haven't got there yet with Saprite, but there's so many different areas that we can think of um, integrating. And obviously, they'll just keep expanding, like I said, with things like Fedimint coming in. Okay, now we've got to deal with like tokens and, and how does that work? Because you're going to have different tokens issued from different Fedimints. Like, um, it's, it's, it's an evolving uh, it's an evolving industry for sure, but I think this, it, it's an exciting opportunity to integrate a lot of these different things um, and think about very unique use cases that you know may come up in the future or stuff that we can't even imagine will come up in the future. Um, but I think that you know because we have some of the greatest people working in this space, that you know we have we have a huge opportunity to to very quickly iterate through all of this stuff and, and provide some real value for users. Mm -hmm. So do you know do you know today what the mix is between like uh, people paying in Bitcoin versus I think people can pay in credit card right now, right? Yeah, so I've added in the Stripe uh, credit card um, functionality in there. Um, I don't have stats on that yet. It's, it's only been in there um, about a month and I haven't been able to like pull out the stats on it yet. But uh, that would certainly be an interesting thing to see. Um, I, my gut tells me that it's not going to be huge, at least right now in the first month, because I would imagine that all the users that have signed on to Zapright so far have done so because they're interested in the Bitcoin earning side of it. Um, whereas I think the Stripe credit card aspect is more is more just a tool for me to be able to like hopefully reach out to that bigger market and attract those people in who are like, well, I already use this other invoicing tool over here. I don't want to use two tools, like one to invoice people in Bitcoin and another my, my standard one I'm using. And so for me, integrating Stripe in there was just another way where I can say, well, hey, now you can still offer both to your users. Like, come on over to ZapRite, like you can give them the choice. Um, and I think having Stripe in there as well, I mean, like... To be perfectly honest, I kind of struggled with that decision of adding Stripe in because, like I said, I'm just like hardcore Bitcoin maxi and I didn't really want to build a tool that makes it easier for people to move fiat around. And so I resisted putting credit card payments in there for quite a while. And the thing that changed my mind eventually was uh, OpenNode um, announcing that they're testing a plugin that connects to Stripe that allows you to automatically convert all of your Stripe credit card payments into Bitcoin. Um, and I think that's like, you know, pretty huge. So if you have an open node account and a Stripe account, you can just connect them and every single Stripe payment that comes in, Stripe will just plug into open node and, and send it over and open node will convert it to Bitcoin. Um, so that's kind of similar to say what like IBEX or any of these like POS systems are doing right now. 
um, where you can, you know, take in uh, Bitcoin and they'll convert it to USD on the other side. So you're just seeing this integration between Stripe and OpenOde, which allows the opposite. You can now get paid in, in fiat and have it auto convert to Bitcoin um, on the other end. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and I think there will be more and more tools like that on, on both sides um, of the argument. So from the merchant side and the user side. Um, and we'll see a lot more of that like kind of streamlined transfer between like fiat and Bitcoin, um, particularly with things like Strike and Cash App. Um, you know, you can you can scan a regular Lightning QR code now with a Strike app and it can pull out your dollars and send over the Lightning Network. Like that's pretty cool, right? So you can imagine that spreading out to 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 every other app that's out there. And all of a sudden now we have this like really like seamless interoper interoperability between fiat and, and Bitcoin rails. And so now you can start to offer all these tools that just give people like complete freedom about what they want to do um, and just manage it on both sides. Yeah, that seems really important to be able to unlock uh, both sides without having to agree on we're both going to transact in Bitcoin or we're both going to transact in dollars. If the, if the uh, earner wants to receive Bitcoin and the payer wants to send dollars, it's fine, it doesn't matter because we have the seamless bridge now. Yeah. Um, have you thought through any of the like interesting applications that might come about at a time when we have seamless bridges between USD and, and Bitcoin? We have a couple of them right now in select markets. You mentioned Strike and a couple others, but like uh, I, I get the sense this is not a global thing right now. It's It's hard to still you know, seamlessly move between currencies as you pay people or as you receive money. Um, what are some of the interesting applications that could appear at a time when anyone in the world, anywhere, can instantly switch between Bitcoin or dollars when they send or receive money? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. I really, I wish I had a straight off answer off the top of my head, but I think, um, you know, Pretty much the short answer is everything is 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 game. Everything is game. I think everything has to be rebuilt on this new standard. Um, so pretty much take any existing kind of you know fiat app that is is like exists right now, and we need to build that with Lightning Rails integrated, right? Like that's just you know there's going to be so many things that that we can like like simply need to be rebuilt like take ZapRite for example it was just invoicing okay now we need to rebuild that added lightning so that's like really simple example um, but in terms of just converting everything over I think there's an opportunity for so many businesses to start up that just take these existing companies and like you know just integrate them on a fully native like uh, Bitcoin lightning standard in terms of like what future businesses that could come up I mean man I can't even think, but like this, the sky's the limit on that one. I, I don't know if you have any off the top of your head, but there, there's so many things that we could we could think of because you know traditional traditional markets everything tends to be like siloed, right? You've got these like you know Jack Mallers talks about this a lot, where like you know Cash App users can't send money to like Strike users to Venmo users, like to pay, like it's not interoperable, and they all have these like closed systems. Um, I mean, now I guess you can with some of them with, with Lightning where you're just scanning like QR codes. But I think that's where the excitement comes in is that because everybody is fundament fundamentally on this open monetary network, that's where we can start to see all these like crazy innovations where like you can just, you know, 
make a payment like somewhere and it just like hops between different products and you get this like amazing value on the other side like without even thinking about it because you've been able to you know seamlessly integrate all these different services excuse me uh-huh. so i think that's like there's a there's a lot of things that could be that could be built on 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 that side of it when we get everybody onto this like you know standard monetary network yeah I mean, it's really challenging to think about what some of these new business models are going to be or what some of these use cases are going to be. Even still, you know, for the last 10, 15 years in in the Internet's evolution, um, people have had a really, really hard time even predicting a year or two into the future. Mm. Like, you know, a year before Snapchat comes out, no one was waiting. No one was going, oh, you know, we're really dying for Snapchat to exist. Like, someone's going to build it. Yeah. it, I don't think that was true. And a year before Uber came out, no one was going like, you know, oh, we're dying for Uber. We we need Uber. I think it's it's the same with very. Yeah. It happens super quickly. Like it, by the time you realize you need it, it's there. It's it's it. You know, there's not a big lag period of like, uh, you know, five ten years into the future often. Um, but I think. Yeah. But I think one way that I've started to think about how to predict some of these things or how you know, where opportunities might arise is just by looking at the apps on my phone today and looking at every single one of them as a business Mm -hmm. and say like, how does this business make money? And where, where does payment, where do payments come from? Where do they go to? Who's, who's left holding the bag? Who doesn't get any of the payments? You know, are there different ways in which uh, seamless money transfers could change the relationship between the participants in that particular business. And you can go through all the 50 or 100 apps you got on your phone and, and probably find a bunch of businesses where, where that relationship is going to change. You know, one example for, you know, uh, for a podcasting example is you look at Spotify. And you yeah. think like, well, Spotify uh, is earning all this money on ads. Listeners get none of it. YouTube, listeners get none of it or, or viewers get none yeah. of it. Um, we can change that relationship. We can now, we have the tool to allow the the viewers and the listeners and the people who are actually making the platform valuable, we have a tool to reward them. And so, you know, that's one example. There's going to be a ton of them though. It's it's anywhere that uh, we had to find workarounds because we didn't have an ideal payment system yeah. I think like now we do have this ideal payment system. Well, what, what do we unlock? We unlock all those things that we couldn't build before because the things that were constrained by the payment system itself. Yeah. And I think if, if YouTube had existed today or was built today and, uh, you know, we had, we had a lightning integration from, from the get-go, uh, maybe they would have leveraged that. Maybe they would have used that uh, to bootstrap an audience because, hey, every, yeah. who doesn't want to be paid for, for contributing to this platform, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And that kind of goes back to, to what I'd mentioned before about every single business that exists now is ripe for disruption because it needs to be first and foremost, like transferred over to the Lightning Network. Um, and we see a perfect example of that with uh, with Keon and Stacker News, right? I know you're um, a big fan of Stacker News. It's it's kind of, it's the same thing. It's like, right, well, I mean, I'm going to contribute value to this 
business through this forum by bringing my thoughts, my ideas and sharing my comments and interacting with the community there. And I'm going to get value back because now I can earn sats. And that wouldn't have been possible before, right? Because you can't really do that on like, you know, with credit cards or with anything else, right? So there's this like great incentive there to do things like that. Um, and I think we're going to see like a lot more of that. The, like, I mean, the value for value, like side of it is, is huge. Like I think there's stuff there that we probably haven't even considered yet, right? The whole like reward side of things and like earning sats back, which I guess kind of like ties into the earning side of it as well, is that you can actually... You can actually start using more tools now that like you know value your time whatever uh -huh. it is that you're doing like you can participate in this like open market where you're actually getting something back in reward for your time or your thoughts or your like education whatever it is that you're putting into it um so yeah i think it's really exciting to to kind of like try and like think about what's gonna what's gonna come down the line with that but i think you're right like just looking at your phone and looking at all the apps it's like okay well like all of this stuff needs to be updated to to run on lightning for sure and then that opens up like a whole world of possibilities i hope you're enjoying the show so far i just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor voltage voltage is the industry standard for lightning network infrastructure creating layer 2 applications and services on top of bitcoin starts with voltage where you can spin up nodes get access to liquidity optimize your node and much more Voltage is leading the way as the next generation provider of Lightning Network infrastructure. And if you want to get a free trial and start using Voltage today, you can do so at voltage.cloud. And now with new opportunities also come new challenges and problems that need to be addressed. One of the problems that I've started to notice um, is that, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm, uh, I would call myself a power user of Lightning apps where I have a lot of them on the go. I've tried a bunch of different apps. Um, I've earned a little bit here and there on, on a bunch of different platforms. And I am now recognizing that I have like a handful of different wallets that all have small balances that are all going to be manually, you know, at some point I have to, I, I decide to move them all to one wallet or to, you know, do something with those funds. And I, I have to figure out like what to do with all the different wallets and, and do I need to have five or 10 of them? Can I just do it all in one? I'd love for someone to have to build that solution to, you know, basically let let me see all of my transactions in a single place. And I wonder where this, you know, how this app will be built and where it will live. Is this something that has to come from like a lightning node where like that, that might be one place where you could aggregate all these transactions um, and you know, have have Stacker News send funds directly to my Lightning node, have Fountain send funds directly to my Lightning node. Um, I wonder, is there, a, is there a custodial way to build this as well? Wh what do you think the solution is for this, like, really spread out ecosystem of earning right now? Yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of something that ZapRite is, is trying to, like solve right i mean the long-term goal um to kind of go back on the accounting aspect of it that i've been thinking about like for a very long time you know i've i've tried to think about this problem in terms of okay well i started zap right because i needed to earn myself i was earning bitcoin and i need to send out an invoice okay great now i've got that 
Then I moved down to Austin and I spin it up as a proper business, a startup, and I start raising money. And I'm like, okay, well, now I have a proper business with a corporate account. I'm paying contractors and developers in Bitcoin. I'm trying to run Zapwide as a 100% Bitcoin-only company. So I'm paying for my hosting in Bitcoin. I'm paying everything I possibly can. But I do have like credit cards and other things as well. Um, and so I have like different accounts that go out for different things. I got mobile wallets. I got desktop wallets. I got hardware wallets. I got different things that are like managing Zapright's, you know, Bitcoin um, treasury. And so, you know, very early on, I started to think, okay, well, okay, now, like, we need better, like, accounting tools and, and money management tools for companies that are going to move on to a Bitcoin standard. And so this ties into, you know, the long-term goal I was mentioning earlier about having this, you know, this all-in-one accounting tool built on top of all these merchant services tools that we're offering. So not only will you get access to, like I said, your, like your POS, your invoicing, donation pages, checkout forms, all this kind of stuff, but we'll have this accounting layer on top of it. And the idea is that you can plug whatever wallet you want into that. So if you've got, you know, three different phone wallets and like two different desktop wallets and you're using Strike as well, and now you're using like, you know, some other like custody, third-party custody, and maybe you've got an exchange as well where you buy and sell your Bitcoin to be able to like, you know, keep your treasury topped up. Um, the idea is that you'll plug all these in and then Zapright can offer a dashboard that shows you like, you know, hey, you've got like 12 different like wallets connected. Um, and this one is tagged for invoices. This one is tagged for like event tickets. This one is tagged for spending. Like this one's tagged for whatever. And then we can start to aggregate all of that and then provide all the overall reporting and charts and everything that shows you like, you know, this is, this is your overall picture of everything that you're doing like, for uh, for all of those wallets together, um, and that would be, you know, that would be more from a business perspective. Um, you know, if you're running a business, you might have like a hot wallet, like you're running Wasabi or something. You've got a hot wallet, you got some hardware wallets, you got some exchange accounts, and you got some phone wallet for day to day spending. So that would allow you to more easily manage all your business stuff. Um, on the personal side of that as well, I think you know, I mean, maybe Zapright can can solve this in the future as well, but particularly from a personal side of it, because I think you're right. Like, I mean, as somebody like yourself, like a, a lightning power user, you've got this sats flow coming in from so many different places. So even on a personal basis, we need to be able to just account for all that, or at least, at least be able to just see an overall picture of like, well, how much did I earn last month? Right. I've got these four or five, six different wallets. Do I got to go into all of them? I can check through the dates and see what came in when, and you know, try and export it into a, into a spreadsheet. And so that's, I think, something that ZapRite could like solve eventually, um, you know, is what we hope to solve, is that just make all of that easier, where you just connect to a node, connect to a wallet, like whatever it might be, um, and we'll be able to like run all those reports for you and give you this like really quick snapshot of, of your, your Bitcoin finances, basically. Um, all while trying to do it in the most like, you know, like non-custodial, like privacy um, preserving way, which I know is like difficult when people are giving you expobs and things like that and access to phone wallets. Like it, it's it's very hard to do, but hopefully we can you know figure out the best way to to do all of that in in a way that users will be comfortable with. Mm -hmm. I saw on the site on Zapright, you guys plan to be KYC free forever. Um, what what's the what are the blockers there that might get in the way? What are you what are the constraints you have to work within now? Because uh, it seems like that's going to be a, you know, become a, a target or like a hot spot for people to 
to try and get access to this kind of information um, if you're if you're operating like you know an invoice or accounting service. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right now we're we're KYC free, we're non-custodial. Um, if you want to sign up for ZapRite, all you need to do is like put in an email address, um, and then you've got access. We just use passwordless login, so we'll send you a magic link. You get access to the site. You can start sending you know invoices right away. Um, and because we ask you to connect your own wallet where it's manually pasting in a Bitcoin address or connecting your own like Umbral or MyNode, you can do that over LNBits or LND. And so what we do, even with even with like a third party like uh, account like Strike, we're just using API connectors to, to basically facilitate those peer to peer payments. So we step out of it. We're not part of it at all, which is how we can remain like KYC free. Um, now that that's my end goal is to like always remain that way because that's just like the way I am. I'm just like adamant that KYC is the illicit activity, right? Um, so, you know, whatever may happen, like Zaprite may offer, you know, say something like payroll in the future where we might have to do KYC because we're actually taking in large amounts of money from a corporation and distributing out to uh, to users. Again, there's like different legal aspects of that. Like, do we use Keysend? Do we use Lightning addresses? Do we split it out and not even take custody of it all? And then you're kind of, you know, you're in a gray area of, you know, what they're going to do. And so to answer your question, yes, you're very much like at the mercy of, you know, the rule makers when it comes to that. Um, right now, like I said, ZapRite doesn't, we don't need a money transmitter license because we're not transmitting money. All I'm doing is generating a QR code for somebody to pay somebody else. But at any stage, like, you know, the government could step in and say, well, you're facilitating payments. So like now we're going to write a new law that says like you have to KYC all your users. Right. So, you know, as much as I want to stay KYC as much as I can, there may be a, a time where like it has to be done. I don't even know if I will want to do it at that stage or hopefully we'll be able to route around it or do other stuff. Um, but it's certainly a goal to, to stay KYC as uh, KYC free as long as possible. Um, and I, on that front, like I want to start offering, you know, as many privacy focused options for users as possible. So one thing, like I mentioned before, for example, um, we require an email address for users to log in right now. And the reason I have that and I haven't put something like LNURL auth is because we need the email addresses to be able to send out notification emails when, you know, you're sending invoices to users or you're like receiving notifications yourself when your invoices are being paid. But in the future, what we can do now, particularly with tools like Noster coming out, is we can actually like scrap the email or at least have the LNURL auth option on there as well. So now you can actually like sign in, um, you know, anonymously and you can just provide uh, a Noster public key and then we'll run a relay and we'll just send out notification of all these uh, payments to your own like, uh, you know, pub key. So... You know, there's tools like that where we can actually start to like minimize our exposure to um, to people's data and to be uh, to be having to store data and to have to use third party like um, email services like SendGrid, which we're using uh, at the moment to send the emails. So if we can remove them from the step and give people more of these privacy options, as well as well as things like you know offering um, like an Umbral app or a Start9 app that you can run on your embassy where it's just ZapRite, you just like pull it out, download it, and now you've got your own internal like Postgres database or something that's running your own version of ZapRite right off your own node. 
um, you know, that's something that we'll definitely offer in the future as well. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of ways that I'd like to 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 keep ZapRite KYC free, at least for those people who maybe want to go the extra mile and take the extra step to actually do that. Um, like I said, it may come to a point where we're all forced to do KYC, no matter what it is we're doing. Um, in which case, I think there will there will definitely be an open source version of ZapRite where you can just take it and run it on your node and you're good to go. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting right now. You're, it seems like you're in a, a place with a lot of uncertainty, like your business specifically. You're going to have, you have capital gains stuff that we're not sure if Bitcoin becomes legal tender, when that might happen, what the ramifications will be. Um, you know, there's, there's the KYC issues, like we're not sure what the regulations are going to be there. How do, you, how do you try and operate the business with all this uncertainty and plan for the future? Like, how do you, how do you extend your time horizon to, you know, planning out three, five, ten years when, when you have all these question marks uh, coming from regulators today? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great question because it's a question I ask myself, like, nearly every day is, like, you know, every feature I'm trying to think up of or everything I'm trying to do, I'm like, okay, well, like, how is this going to affect the future's operate, right? Like, if I introduce this now, is this going to, like, you know, roadblock me, like, further down the road? Um, and I think, like, the, the kind of, the quick and easy answer to that is you stay non-custodial as long as possible. As soon as you start custodying of any form at all, you're opening yourself up to, you know, regulation down the road. Um, so if you can stay away from the custody aspect as long as possible, it'll make you more nimble. You'll be able to iterate faster. You'll be able to build faster. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to like route around these quasi rules that come in every now and again that say, oh, well, like it's a gray area. We don't know what we're going to do. Maybe you have to do this. Maybe you have to do that. Well, if you're able to like stay non-custodial, you can just like route around that kind of stuff until you're actually like forced into a position. Um, so, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that it won't happen at some stage down the road where I'll have to deal with it. But right now, the answer is just to stay non-custodial um, as long as possible and avoid a lot of the regulatory stuff that will come down the road. Because I think most of it, if not all of it, will be around the custodial aspect. Mm. Now, I want to get into competition and, and the business model for Zap, right? Right now, uh, I believe it's free uh, for anyone signing up. Um, mm -hmm. But over time, I think you, you plan to offer like tiers and, and paid plans and stuff like that. What does the business model look like and how does it compare to what you might find for invoicing and accounting software in the fiat world? Are there any differences for for a bitcoin specific company or a bitcoin native company um i mean there, there's definitely different steps you can take um you know there's a whole bunch of different approaches um that i can do for the revenue generation side of it um one of them is you know what i think most fiat companies tend to do is they offer the service for free or very cheap and then they just charge a percentage on the volume that runs through or sometimes they do both, um, but but certainly like uh, I mean Wave was one of the the, the companies I used as the Toronto company. Um, just as a Canadian, I, I knew Wave and I thought like, all right, these guys are great. It's free to use, and I just pay in the volume that goes through. Um, funny enough, one of the reasons I actually started like thinking about Zap building Zaprite as well is because I used Wave for for years as a contractor myself. 
Um, and one day, and I used to just put at the bottom of my invoices, like if you want to pay in Bitcoin, email me and we'll like facilitate it. Um, and then one day, uh, I think, I don't know when it was, maybe 2019, maybe 2019 or early 2020, they sent out an email blast to all their users and said, if we catch anybody with anything to do with cryptocurrency or Bitcoin on their invoices, like we'll ban your account. And so it was at that point I said, all right, I'm not using the wave anymore and building my own service. So that was like one of the kind of aspects that, uh, that got me to, to move away from that. But on, yeah, so on the revenue side, there's the straight up volume on uh, percentage on the volume that goes through. That's kind of difficult to do like non-custodially uh, right now. There's a couple of different things you can maybe do on Lightning with, um, you know, you know, key send kind of like how like Fountain does the splits and you can use maybe Lightning addresses and, and send things out. But again, you're kind of in a gray area of are you a money transmitter? Or are you not a money transmitter? Um, on chain is certainly even harder to do because there's no way to actually like split a, a on chain payment. Um, at least not that I'm aware of, unless you do some kind of like PSBT or some kind of like, you know, contracts where you're maybe batching or something like that. Um, and so, you know, I think the, the the percentage on the volume scales certainly a lot better, particularly if, uh, you know, ZapRite wants to be a global app and we want to focus, uh, you know, our attention on, on the global user base. Uh, a percentage on the volume is a lot fairer to somebody in like, you know, Africa or Central South America you know, because they probably don't want to pay 20 30 $40 for a, a monthly SaaS tier, which somebody in North America might be like happy to pay, right? Um, so it's certainly a more fair way to scale. But I think what I'm going to start off with is using a SaaS tier model and then keep all the payments completely free, peer-to-peer, non-custodial. And so you're literally just paying for access to ZapRite to provide you with all of these UI UX tools that allow you to, to do all these things like ticket sales, donation pages, invoicing, POS, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so on that front then, like, you know, they'll, we'll start with a free tier. It'll be like always free forever, but maybe it'll be limited to like one invoice a month or, you know, you can't connect certain services or whatever it might be. Um, and then there might be like five or $10 a month, like just a nominal fee where you get to like plug in your own node and do different things. You'll have all different like features and aspects and maybe you can activate ticket payments if you want that or activate a POS if you want that. And you might pay like kind of a la carte pick and choose what your monthly bill is going to be. Um, there's also different revenue share models that we're talking to people like Voltage, where we can actually onboard users directly through ZapRite and through Voltage's API, we can get them spin up as a customer on Voltage. And then Voltage can like kick back at some of that revenue share of the credits that the user's paying for Voltage. So we can get some like really seamless integration where somebody could like onboard to ZapRite and immediately they just check a box and says yeah this is the tier we want to do like 30 dollars a month whatever it might be and we'll say okay well that includes like a node on voltage it includes like you know 500,000 sats of liquidity or whatever it might be and we'll actually do that using voltage flow api we can actually have our voltage node just like kick over like uh um channel liquidity to the new user that we spin up through voltages api so in theory we get up this like amazing seamless like process where a user signs up and within like two minutes they've already got a lightning node liquidity and are sending out their first invoice. Like, I think that's like really cool to have like integrated tools like that. Um, and then we could go all the way up to the enterprise level where, you know, you could charge hundreds per month if you wanted and have like a fully custom, um, you know, give, give enterprises their own uh, subdomain. We can give them their own checkout, fully branded, like hosted payment page where they can connect their own wallets. It's all peer to peer. Um, and then there's like zero 
uh, you know, fees on the transactions. So you could charge a higher monthly rate on that. Um, so I think that's the kind of pricing model that we'll probably test out initially, which um, which should be able to come pretty soon. The reason I've kind of delayed it right now is I actually want to build out um, a Bitcoin subscription model. I don't want to use something like Stripe and use a traditional like credit card type uh, subscription model. So I'm actually going to build out a Bitcoin only one um, where you pay your monthly fees like with Lightning. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, that could even be spun out as a service on its own, right? Because I'm sure there's other like SaaS companies that would want to do subscriptions over Bitcoin. So um, once we can get that dialed in, we can start testing that out and testing, you know, different like pricing tiers and different pricing structures and see what people are, are comfortable paying. But I think that's kind of the approach that we're going to go initially. That's very cool. I like that roadmap. Yeah. Um, I, I'm wondering about competition now. And I, and I really want to understand more about like, the network effect of Zapright. If you're if you're going to be non-custodial, if you're going to step away and kind of let peers interact with each other, um, what's the what's the network effect or the the moat protecting the business? I guess of Zapright. How do you think about that in a peer-to-peer -peer world or a, or a Bitcoin-first world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely you know there's definitely ways that other competitors can simply offer the same thing that ZapRite is doing on their own platform, right? So if you take, for example, I mean, the way I kind of describe ZapRite at the moment is like on one end of the scale, you've got, um, you know, complete self-custody with BTC Pay Server. So you need to like run your own node and you need to be running BTC Pay Server. You need to configure like ports and like URLs and everything. You need to be able to know how to do all that yourself. Um, on the other end of the scale, you got somebody like OpenNode. Um, where they're like fully KYC, you know, they charge like 2% in fees. Um, and then you've got like ZapRite, which, which sits in the middle, which is no KYC, no fees on the payments and just charges a SaaS model that gives you like access to whatever it is you want to plug in. So you can either plug in a BTC pay server if you want to run that at home, or you can pay Voltage to run it for you on one of their nodes, or you can pay like OpenNode if you want to, but you're going to get all these much better tools like open node, like, you know, their invoicing right now is, you know, it's, it, it's not a scratch on zap, right? Like we're just like, so like way far ahead on that side of it. And I think that's kind of where the moat for zap, right? Comes in further down the line is all of these Bitcoin companies, whether they're like, you know, you know, self custody, self hosted models, or they're like open node KYC models, whatever it might be. They're all going to provide these amazing different services and they're going to spring up like more and more of them. But I think where ZapRite will shine is that we offer that like seamless ability for somebody to just literally step in and say, well, I don't know how to run a node or I don't want to sign up for just this one platform over here. I want to be able to plug in, you know, three, four, five, six different platforms. And I want all of this like beautiful UI UX and be able to just like, you know, hit buttons and get like launched all these like store URLs and payment checkout pages and donation pages and everything. Um, and so I think that's kind of where we could be able to like carve out a moat is, is being like this platform that like is a one-stop shop, like just plug in whatever you want to plug in and we'll just offer like this amazing experience on top of like either natively on top of a node or on top of the time chain, or you can plug in a third-party service and we'll give you like access through their API as well. And we'll just enhance whatever it is that they're offering you. Right. So just basically building a great user experience um, in, in, in order to kind of like keep customers coming back 
And that's something I've, I've heard from, you know, a number of startups. I think, I think Strike has that same approach. Um, I think it's going to be necessary for everyone to, to, um, to offer a compelling user experience because now there's no lock-in. It's a lot harder to lock people in, at least, on, on Bitcoin. When, when I can move my sats from any, any wallet to any app to any service, um, all of a sudden it's just, I, I, I'm going to choose the best one. I'm going to choose the one that works the best for me. So, um, yeah. yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's an interesting way to approach competition. And, you know, ultimately I think it leads to a, a more sustainable and uh, a more valuable ecosystem. One where you, you're incentivized always to continue enhancing the product. You, you can't depend on a lock-in. You yeah. have to keep getting better and better and better. And I think maybe that yeah. might be one of Bitcoin's, you know, secret kind of like, uh, you know, tools that we can use to accelerate adoption is that we don't have anything to, to back into. We don't have anything where we can go, okay, you know what, I've done good enough. Now I'm going to capture everyone and, you know, just extract as much profit as I can. We can't do that. And yeah, that might be a catalyst to push the whole space forward. Because everyone's going to realize that and everyone's going to push each other forward faster than they would in a system where you can extract value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a great way to look at it. And it's like, you know, Jack Ballard says this as well about like it's a race to the bottom in terms of fees. You know, you're not going to be able to like run a, a Visa or MasterCard model anymore, right? Like you can't just like rent seek and and just pull money from people by providing like no real service at all you're just sitting there forcing people to use your service and you're taking three percent um or whatever it is that they get the rest goes to the merchant banks and stuff like that but with bitcoin it's, it is a race to the bottom it's to zero and so what you're incentivized to do is instead of becoming a rate a rent seeker you actually have to provide some real value and real service to users right you know bitcoin by itself is not going to be enough we have to build the tools on top of that that make it easier for people to use it. Um, and that's not saying, you know, there's anything wrong with Bitcoin. It works like fine by, you know, if you just have a very simple wallet scanning QR codes. But the reality is like, you know, the internet works great for sending messages back and forth, but we've built all these cool like chat apps and like email and everything on top of it because it just makes it so much easier. And I think the same is going to be said of, of Bitcoin. We just have to build these apps on top that provide absolute real value that people are willing to to pay and as long as you can keep doing that you you can build that stickiness then that like the users just want to stay with you because they know that you're going to provide whatever it is that they need um and i think that's one of the beauties about this this approach that i'm taking with Zaprite as well is that because we're flexible and because we're not like trying to build our own siloed like api system or something we're basically just allowing you to plug in whatever it is available that's out there so that means if somebody else springs up like tomorrow with a brand new service that's amazing it's like okay well you got an api right we're plugging into Zaprite, like no problem um, and i think that's kind of where like a lot of the value will be is that like users will know that they can just come to Zaprite and they'll pretty much be able to do whatever it is they can do on any other platform because we'll have plugged into those platforms mm -hmm. that's awesome um, I want to finish the conversation off with a discussion about Austin and the Bitcoin scene down in Austin. Yeah. So I'm, I'm making a trip out there soon. And uh, I've been to the city one time, but it was before I was in the Bitcoin scene. And I, I didn't recognize it was this like Bitcoin hub. Um, but I want to understand more about like what is so special about the city 
you're working out of Austin now. Um, you said you were, you were in Canada previously. Uh, what attracted you to Austin and what has kept you there since? Yeah, so, um, yeah, you're right. Austin is, is amazing. Um, I've been here, you know, almost a year at this stage. Um, but, yeah, I mean, originally, I mean, I'm Irish originally, ended up moving to Canada, was living there for like 12 years. Um, kind of, you know, got itchy feet, wanted to travel, wanted to do a digital nomad thing for a while and figured, you know, things are getting crazy in Canada right now. I'll kind of escape for a while. I'll go travel, I'll go back to Ireland, see my family and whatnot. And I had plans to like just kind of pass down through the US and go to like El Salvador to a conference down there and and then move back around. Um, but last September, I, I came down to the US and of course, Bitcoin Twitter was telling me I need to go to Austin. So I landed in Austin and just never looked back ever since. It was... It was just, it was almost like I was just thrown in the deep end. There was so much going on here with, um, I think there was a, a Bitcoin or a BitDevs uh, meetup in the old Unchained office, like within three days of me coming down. So I just like met amazing people, like within three days of being here. Um, I think on the second day, actually, I met uh, Kyle Murphy, uh, who uh, runs Pleb Lab along with, uh, with Keon and Carr. Um, and they were, they were good enough to offer me a desk in their, their new Bitcoin incubator that they were like trying out this new idea in Austin after running Austin Bitcoin Club for a while. They're like, oh, we have an idea to bring developers together and have this Bitcoin co-working slash incubator space. Um, so I got a desk in there. And then, you know, just from that, the, the contacts I was able to make just being around other amazing developers, other founders and um, getting to meet investors, um, just other amazing uh, people running different events uh, in, in Austin. Um, it's just been, it's, it's been absolutely, you know, I, I can't even describe the, the amount of value I've got from it by just being here in person within this community. There's so much going on, um, that like, you just, you just get like on a, a huge trajectory, like almost immediately. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now we've got, you know, the first Thursday of every month, you've got the Austin Bitcoin club meetup. Um, you've got second, I think Wednesday, you've got the lightning dev meetup. Uh, third Thursday of every month, you have the traditional BitDevs meetup. Uh, and now on the fourth week, uh, I think it's every second month, you've got the Austin Bitcoin Design Club, where we talk about design, UI, UX in terms of Bitcoin. Um, so it's like every week there's something going on. And then apart from that, there's like, you know, different times to be different satellite events or different things spun up. There's always people coming through town. There's always events that are going on. It just feels like it's this amazing whirlwind of a Bitcoin community that just things are happening like almost every day. Um, and I think Pleb Lab are about to open uh, a new office uh, as well, which is going to be like a new hub for, for Bitcoin developers um, in Austin. Uh, it's going to be pretty amazing co-working space, everything like to, to be able to come and work out of there and be surrounded by, by Bitcoiners like day in, day out as well. Um, but yeah, Austin's really, it's really special. There's a lot of stuff going on here right now and it's, uh, it's really exciting to be part of it. It feels like it's kind of ground zero for something amazing that's, that's about to start for the next few decades. Yeah, it's funny you said that you talked about the, your first BitDevs meetup. Uh, I think Kian also mentioned that as one of the catalysts that got him to start Stacker News. Um, mm. So, you know, there's a lot of activity clearly and it's leading to a lot of innovation. Um, What's, what's your sentiment on the overall adoption of Bitcoin within the Austin, within the city? Like, forget just the group of, you know, Bitcoiners that congregate there, but how, how far has that message spread 
throughout the city to you know your your everyday folks living in Austin? Um, I think you know obviously it's it's still small, it's still very niche, but it's definitely growing uh, and expanding. There's more and more people becoming aware of it. Um, it's you know for example we went out this morning. There's uh, Michael from uh, Oshi. Uh, runs a Bitcoin breakfast every Tuesday morning in a, in a cafe down here in Austin. And so he's onboarded them um, through Oshi and through Ibex as well. So he's running rewards through Oshi um, for the breakfast that you buy there. But you can also, um, if you're not getting one of the rewards, you can just straight up like pay over Lightning because they've got Ibex now for their for their regular POS. Um, so there's a lot of that happening where, you know, there's, there's a lot of like cafes, um, you know, uh float tubs uh spas like different restaurants like food trucks like there's a lot of different places that will actually accept bitcoin um and it's it feels like it's just more and more every day so while it is still small it's definitely expanding and there's definitely a buzz about it and there is a concerted effort by a lot of people to actually onboard businesses um you know whether it's through oshi or whether we're actually just talking to people ourselves and we're trying to like, you know, orange pill Uber drivers as we're going around the city or every different bar we go to. Um, you know, for example, there was uh, a group of us uh, that went out um, a couple of weeks ago um, just to catch some live music one, uh, one Thursday afternoon. Um, and we ended up just like bar hopping around following different bands that were advertising live music. And so, you know, after a couple of songs, we'd go up and approach them. We'd get them to download like Moon Wallet. We'd all tip them like, you know, in Bitcoin. And they'd, they'd end up with $50 of tips from our group. And then off we'd go to the next bar and we'd like, you know, orange peel the next musician. So there's things like that happening and people are very receptive to it. Um, so it's, it's just really cool to see that it's, it's more and more becoming part of, um, part of daily life. At least people are aware of it and they're now more comfortable talking about it and they're willing to listen to you when you try to orange build them. That's interesting. Is there something specific mm. about Austin that uh, makes it possible to to get some of these people to adopt it quickly and, and get restaurants on board and get musicians on board? Or is this something uh, that can be replicated in any city? Like, do you think that it's something special about the fabric of Austin or is it something that, that could yeah be repeated elsewhere? I mean, I think it can be repeated elsewhere, but you know, I think I think one of the things about Austin is they what's that phrase like stay stay weird or something or Austin, keep Austin weird or something. It's like Austin has always been known as this kind of like you know almost counterculture type like city. Um, so maybe there's something there that kind of allows them to be a bit more open minded to things like this. Maybe it's just the fact that there's such a high concentration of Bitcoiners that, you know, they're, they're able to find the support um, that they need. Maybe everybody now has a Bitcoiner friend because there's just so many people hanging around Austin. Um, but in terms of kind of be replicated, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I mean, you know, it's very easy to, you know, any, any small town or, or, or city that you might be in, if you've got a couple of friends that, you know, you're Bitcoiners and you either meet up at each other's house or something or you go for a beer or whatever and talk Bitcoin, well, maybe start thinking about turning it into an official event. Maybe go to some bar and say like, hey, you know, what's your quietest night? Monday, Tuesday night? All right. Well, like what if I bring 10, 20 Bitcoiners here? Like will you on board and allow them to pay in Bitcoin? I'll show you how simple it is, right? It could be as easy as that. And of course, they're going to say like, you know, Monday, Tuesday night when they're empty, they'll be like, yeah, absolutely. Like come on in. Like we'll, we'll take Bitcoin, whatever. Um, 
So it's definitely, you can definitely replicate it. It just like requires the effort to do it. And I think, I think more and more people are, are open, more open to the idea nowadays than they ever were, just particularly because of, you know, the climate that we're in with inflation and everything else. Um, you know, I think because Bitcoin is more mainstream now, or at least like, you know, people have heard of it, they kind of know what it is. They're, like I said, they're more willing to have that conversation. So if you can spend a few minutes with them, like, you know, find the bar owner or the food truck owner or whatever, when they're quiet uh, and just talk to them and say, you know, hey, here's a couple of different apps we can get you set up on and we can have new customers in your door. But definitely, definitely reproducible for sure. I like it. Um, okay, I want to end this off with a segment I do called the lightning round for a chance to, to ask some more rapid fire questions. Are you ready for the lightning round? As ready as I could be, I suppose. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Welcome to the lightning round presented by Zebedee, your portal into the world of Bitcoin gaming. The Zebedee app offers a full-featured lightning wallet seamlessly integrated with your own personal gamer tag so that you can earn Bitcoin on all of Zebedee's games on mobile and desktop. It's never been more fun to earn Bitcoin and Zebedee is your key to it all. To claim your personal gamer tag and start earning some Bitcoin of your own, download the Zebedee app today. First question, in the year 2030, will you be processing at Zafri more payments, more payment volume on Bitcoin or on stable coins and credit cards combined, fiat or, or Bitcoin in, in dollar volume? Bitcoin, absolutely. Interesting. Will, will Bitcoin be legal tender by the year 2030? That's a tough one. I'm going to go with no. Okay. Um, what percentage of payments will be happening on chain versus lightning in the year 2030? Ooh, I don't even know what it is now, but I would say, I would say maybe 50-50. 50-50, okay. Uh, what will the price of Bitcoin be? In 2030. Oh, man, picking over $500,000. Okay. Why so bearish? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, is there anything, I, I want to get like one lesson that you've learned from your experience in Bitcoin. If you could drill it down to just one, what, what would that lesson be? What, what has Bitcoin taught you? I would have to pull it back to uh, what I was talking about at the start about the low time preference aspect. Um, it's just taught me to become a better version of myself, uh, health-wise, education-wise, like thinking about the relationships I keep, like how, like what people I, I spend my time with, um, everything to do with my finances, educate myself more about the economy. Uh, definitely makes me become um, a much, a much more aware an optimistic and better person than I was, um, you know, before, before I knew Bitcoin. Are there any books that have, uh, meaningfully changed your view of the world? Um, I have to admit, I'm not a big book reader. I get distracted very easily. Um, <laughs> and I have so many books that I have started and I'm like 10 to the way in, and then they just sit there with bookmarks in them for years. Um, the, the Bitcoin standard was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just overall for me, it's just about constant consumption of, you know, everyday Bitcoin knowledge and economics knowledge from the amazing people on, on Bitcoin Twitter, which pretty much uh, keeps me fueled up. Who do you learn most from on Bitcoin Twitter? If you can name an account. 
it's got to be Francis Puglia. Um, the guy is just an absolute legend. Um, he just he has this knack of like calling things to a T well in advance, and then he just is able to pull those tweets up years later and say, "I told you so," and it's just phenomenal. Like I, I just kind of pay attention to everything that guy tweets because he's 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 right more often than not. Interesting. Um, okay, final question. Uh, I think Michael Saylor has this saying that Bitcoin is hope. What are you hopeful that Bitcoin will accomplish? I'm hopeful that Bitcoin will like get us out of this craziness that we're in right now in the world. I think we've been in this 50 year experiment since we came off the gold standard where society seems to be like, you know, coming apart at the seams. It's certainly been accelerating the last few years. I'm hopeful that we can get back to, you know, the things that really matter in life, which is, you know, spending time with people, uh, innovating, like coming up with new ideas, discussing new ideas, um, you know, looking after your health, your well-being, helping people to thrive and save and have like, you know, fruitful like lives. Um, I'm hopeful that Bitcoin will, will become more adopted so it can fix a lot of those things. I like it. Thanks for taking the time today. This has been an awesome conversation. I learned a ton. Um, where can listeners go to learn more about you? Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been, uh, it's been amazing. I'm glad we could have a chat and uh, looking forward to uh, catching up uh, next week in person. Um, yeah, if uh, users want to find me, I'm John, J-O-H-N underscore Zapright on uh, Twitter. Uh, and Zapright app is the, the Zapright account on Twitter. Other than that, just um, head to zapright.com, check it out, sign up. Um, start using it, click around, hit me up with feedback, idea suggestions, anything that you've got. I'd love to uh, talk to you and get your experience on it. But uh, yeah, that's what it's all about right now is getting, getting users in the app and, um, and finding out what they want. Awesome. Thanks again and uh, looking forward to meeting up in Austin soon. Cheers. Thanks. All right. In the last 30 days, you guys sent in 184,000 sats. That came in from 121 different supporters. Now, it's been about eight or nine days since my last episode, which is why we're using the 30-day numbers. But we've got lots of comments and questions to go through as well. Uh, let's get right into it. First up, we have AG Begin, who says, hands up emoji in response to episode 61 with Nicholas Berte at Galois. Um, Othala says, would love to see the next evolution of stable sats without a centralized exchange but with DLCs or other decentralized markets and exchanges, I think this is coming. We're, we're headed in that direction. Uh, we've gone from not having any stable coins to having only centralized stable coins to now in the last few years having a lot of variations on decentralized or somewhat decentralized stable coins. The trend is in that direction, and I think it's only a matter of time before we get there. But I appreciate the comment, Athala. I also would love to see further evolutions of, of this stable sats idea and, and stable coins more broadly. Uh, CryptoBeard says, good work, bro, in response to episode 61. Thank you, CryptoBeard. Rot13Maxi says, uh, really great episode and sent in 2,450 sats. Thank you, Rot13Maxi. Coca says, gracias, Dinero, uh, in response to episode one with Oscar Mary. That was the very first episode. If you're new here, you might want to go all the way back just to listen to that one. It's still one of the more popular episodes on the show. We had an anonymous user send in a boost that says, boost sent from podcastindex.org using Albi. 
sent in 2,426 sats to episode 61 with Nicholas Berte. And we have Rene Aaron, who says LFG with a rocket ship emoji in response to episode 61. Uh, hope you guys all enjoyed that episode. That was great to get it out because it was a, a breaking story. It had just come out and uh, got a lot of new listeners from, from that episode and the whole punch episode before, which is also relatively uh, breaking. Uh, overall, thank you for sending in so many sats and comments and messages. I've got another episode to catch up on that's going to be coming out in the next couple of days. And then we've got lots more next week. Talk to you guys soon. Can't wait to see what you guys send in this week.